Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss all things life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Polly and Brooke Paget. Our partner's spinal cord injuries are what brought us together, and our common bond as caregivers to quadriplegics is what helped us to create the advocacy group, WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges this lifestyle presents, and our mission is to spread awareness and positivity from our unique perspective. So join us each week as we discuss fresh topics and new ideas surrounding relationships, self-care, and living your best life as a caregiver and partner to someone with a serious injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wife of SEI podcast. Here we go. Let's put this episode on a momentary pause because we want to introduce all of you to one of our amazing sponsors, Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer, Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia. They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases and work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource for the SEI community. Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You are not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose. Robin and her team are always looking for ways that they can help rebuild the best life possible for their clients by finding them support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance or benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists, making sure that her clients are doing okay physically and mentally. Wishart Brain and Spine Law is proud to support WAGS of SCI. Robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way she can because she wants you to live a life and not your claim. Your first consultation is always free, so contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure you mention the WAGS of SCI. This podcast is brought to you in part by Alexa Ritchie, a fellow WAG of SEI and also an online health and fitness coach. Alexa is always willing to help create sustainable routines that work for you. She can be reached via her Instagram account at The Good Life with Alex or via Facebook at Alexa Lynn, A-L-E-X-A-L-Y-N-N. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast. You are joining Elena Polly and Brooke Paget today with our guest, Alice Cooper. So a lot of you Wags that are listening right now will probably know of her or have seen her photos um, on Instagram. She's super active on Instagram and online. Um, she lives in York, which is in England, and her, her and her fiancé, Gavin, have two English bulldogs, Barbara and Burgess, and they have been together for around three and a half years. So Gavin is um, a C4 quadriplegic, and he's been paralyzed since he was, um, I don't know, how old was Gavin when he was paralyzed, Alice? He was 14 when he had his accident, so it's just been the 19-year anniversary of oh. his, his accident, yeah. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And we wanted to interview you because with everything that's been going on with COVID, you're in the UK, you know, your life is just, it's very different than a lot of us over here in North America as it is. And so we just wanted to kind of talk to you about who you are, like what makes Alice Alice and just kind of your story and your experiences. And we just, we just, ever since we've met you, and I know Elena feels the same way, we both have been super inspired by you because you are unapologetically you. And I think that people don't understand that. Like a lot of the the women that we interview on the podcast, they're like, well, you know, we're kind of nervous because, you know, I don't feel like I have anything to contribute. And we're just like, you know what? We believe every woman has a unique voice just being herself. And we feel like you radiate that. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so just to kick it off, of course, everybody's probably dying to know how, tell us the story of you and Gavin. How did you and Gavin meet? Yeah, so um, we actually met on an internet dating site, which I'm always very embarrassed to admit. <laughs> um, but I had um, I'd been on the dating site for a few months, and I'd had my kind of fair share of horrendous matches and then horrible first dates, where you hope that you never see the person again. Um, and then I stumbled across Gav's profile. Uh, he had just recently decided to move back to York. He had actually been living in Leeds, um, which is about 45 minutes away from York. Um, But he'd been in Leeds for university and then he'd stayed there for a few years afterwards. So he'd kind of started building his life in Leeds. And then for one reason or another, decided that he was going to come back to York. Um, So he was, he'd signed up to the site sort of wanting to meet new people in and around York because he'd come back to this area. And um, I came across his profile just one night. It was a Sunday night, actually, um, just while I was browsing. And his, when I read his profile, the bit that he'd written about himself, it, it made me laugh. Like I could feel his personality just in that little snippet of, of his profile. Um, and he did have a couple of pictures on his profile where he was in a wheelchair. But at the time, I wasn't entirely sure. Sort of, I couldn't gauge from the pictures whether he was in a wheelchair full time, whether it was, you know, um, some sort of condition that he had or whether it was paralysis or even whether he'd just, you know, broken a leg and had an accident and was in it temporarily. I wasn't entirely sure what the situation was. Um, so I ended up messaging him and we got chatting and we kind of messages were flying backwards and forwards that night. Um, and then he did, he, he talked me through a little bit of his story about how he was a quadriplegic. And I normally, when I'd met people, I would want to kind of be talking to them for a good sort of two to three weeks before actually meeting up with them, um, just to make sure that I really kind of got along with them and had a connection with them. But when Gav told me about um, him being a quadriplegic, in my head, I kind of understood that I would only know whether I was going to be okay with this situation if I met him face to face. So I bit the bullet there and then that first night and asked him if he'd come for coffee with me the next day, um, which was very quick for both of us. And we'd still laugh about it now because he was like, I can't believe that you, you know, after an hour of talking to me, you were like, right, let's meet up. Let's just see. Let's just go and see whether we get along. Um, but oh, we did. We, we, yeah, we went for coffee <laughs> the next day. And what, what we'd planned to be um, just like an hour, you know, having a coffee and having a bit of a chat it ended up that we were we were chatting for about four and a half hours in the same in the same place. Um, so, you know, we really we just kind of 
we we really connected. He has the same sense of humor as me. Um, he's into all of kind of the same interests as me, and he's got the same values about stuff as well, which was really important. Kind of around his family and my job um, is, you know, you you have to be really passionate about it, and he he understood that. Um, so we we yeah we got along really well then, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. It all happened very quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was. That was kind of how it all began. (laughs) And then, like they say, the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we met at the end of January, and we had moved in to live with him by the September, October time. Um, So it didn't take us long to kind of feel like, you know, this is forever. This is, we're we're settled now. We're building a life together, Um, which was nice, because I think then we just, we knew it was right. So how long did you guys date for before you were like, or go on dates for until you were like, hey, let's just like do this thing? <laughs> well, we were we were dating. Um, I used to see him sort of once a week because I was very busy with work. And um, so I'd kind of see him on a weekend and we'd, we'd go on a date. And that was for the first sort of six weeks or so. That was great. And then I had a little bit of a wobble, um, which I've been really open about on the page because I think it's really important for uh, new wags to kind of see that it's normal to have a bit of you know anxiety around the whole situation and whether whether it's for you or not it's quite a, a big step to take you know stepping into the wag world you're taking on a bit more of a responsibility and a bit more of a commitment than you maybe would be for for just a relationship between two able-bodied people um so it's about six weeks after we'd started dating I I had a bit of a I, I kind of psyched myself out um and I was finding myself concentrating more and more on all the things that we would never be able to do together. Um, so like my family, where we love the Lake District in England, it's a beautiful place. Um, and we've been going since I was little, my mum and dad had their honeymoon there. So it's got, you know, it means something really special to us as a family. And we go multiple times a year and we'll climb mountains and go on long walks and kind of explore the countryside. And I just kind of got it in my head that um, I would never be able to do that again if I stayed with Gav. And it, like it's proved completely wrong because he's been on every Lake District trip that we've mm, been on since yeah. we got together. Um, and we find ways to make it work, which is fantastic. But at the time, I, I hadn't got to that stage yet where I felt comfortable kind of problem solving the situations. So I just co- completely overwhelmed thinking that my life wouldn't be as fun as it maybe could be because I would be held back by what Gav couldn't do when really now I know that that there is always a way to figure out how they can take part in stuff um so I I actually did the right thing and I did send Gav a message and say to him I'm having a bit of a freak out and he made me go around to his and kind of sat me down and said to me you know just give me another few weeks and just give me couple of weeks a month let me just show you what we can do together and you know if you have any kind of if you're worried about anything or you've got any questions he kind of encouraged me to just say just ask me and I will I will tell you how we can get through it um so I said yeah yeah absolutely because I did I knew that you know I knew I was in love with him I just didn't see how my lifestyle at the time could fit with his um but I kind of gave him the opportunity to teach me that although it looks like he might not be able to do these things, he actually can. 
And I mean, it was only a few months after that that we went to the Lake District with my family and he climbed his first mountain because my family just kind of, well, we half carried him, half pushed him up. Um, That's but we, cool. So, you know, it just kind of shows that something that I never thought we'd be able to do would be to stand on top of a mountain and enjoy the view together. And we were doing it, uh, you know, a few months into our relationship. So I, it, it was important that he he could kind of talk me through that. And I think that's just a, a massive thing any, with any relationship is communication. But particularly when somebody has got, um, you know, so many difficulties that they might need to overcome. I think it's it's that communication between the two of you to stop yourself from kind of getting psyched out is, is really important. Um do you so, think yeah. it, do you think it was that conversation that kind of was the catalyst to shaping your new perspective on the situation or do you think it was like like what do you think really really like what what did he say that really made you say okay this may be okay He just basically explained to me that that nothing is impossible um you know he was he said to me tell me what you want to do or what oh. you want us to do and we will we'll find a way to do it and I think we we see a lot on particularly on the Wagsive side kind of social media and stuff these these women's significant others they're doing everything that anybody can do um there's just a different a slightly different way of doing it um so like the somebody shared a video the other day of their guy going on a zip wire you know across like a big mm-hmm. canyon thing I don't know if you saw it and it's like never in my wildest dreams before I met Gav would I have assumed that Anybody that was a quadriplegic would be able to do a zip wire, but they can do it because, you know, it is possible. There are there ways of doing them things now. Um, so he just kind of said to me, yeah, you, you tell me what you want to do and we'll make it happen. And we've done some incredible things together in the three and a half years. And there hasn't been anything yet where we've kind of said, oh, no, we can't do that. Or maybe we can't do that, but we'll do this instead. And it's been as good. So... And you yeah. guys have traveled a lot too, like before quarantine, like you guys, you guys literally like live your life to the fullest, right? You have a really big bucket list and you, you, you're always off for the weekends and always going on holidays. And what has been your favorite experience so far? Oh yeah. I mean, traveling is, um, it's a major passion of mine. I mean, if I, if I don't go abroad this year because of COVID, it's going to be the first year when I've never been to a foreign country since I was born I was six months old when I went on my first aeroplane so it's like I've, you know I love love exploring and kind of getting immersed in into different cultures and meeting new people um, and, and you're Gav- so you're you're so lucky that you live um in the UK I have another friend that lives in the UK and it's like he's like it's so easy to just get away for the weekend yeah. to go to a fully different culture for the weekend with a two-hour flight as like your longest flight and here oh. in Canada and the UK it's so you can't really go anywhere that takes less than you know four or five hours on the plane because it's just it's such a big place and it's yeah. such a different experience that you guys are living there so we are so excited to talk to you about that <laughs> yeah no it is it's amazing just I mean just being able to jump on an airplane and two hours later being somewhere in Europe um, you know, that is, that does, it is, it does feel exotic because their yeah. lifestyle is different and there's a different culture and the weather's better. And, you know, it is, it's just, it's amazing. But Gav loves exploring and traveling as much as I do. So we have definitely come together and kind of, and that has been something that, that we've enjoyed doing together. Obviously it's got its, um, its difficulties with Gav and there's a frustration because every time you get to the airport, you know that somebody's going to be missing a piece of paperwork that you've made them promise they'll have. But 
we've we've never touched wood we've always managed to figure it out so that we've got where we needed to be um but with regards to kind of my favorite I would, I would obviously have to say that New York is right up there. When we visited New York, it was just incredible. But that was where Gav proposed, so I've got to, you know, I've got to say that that was one of the best holidays. Yeah, um, special place for sure in your heart. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but we also love our European city break. So we did Budapest last year, which was beautiful. Like, would recommend it to anybody. Is that good um, for accessibility? It was fantastic. Yeah, we've um, we've kind of picked up a few little tips and tricks with our city breaks and um because a lot of the time the taxis are not wheelchair accessible or they if they've got wheelchair accessible taxis then they're few and far between and you have to pre-book them and they cost more but if you go to a city that's got um one of the tar buses that's like a hop on hop off tar bus you can actually buy like a weekend ticket so when we're in budapest i think it costs us about 20 euros and that was a three-day ticket and you could hop on and hop off this bus as many times as you want. And it literally, there were four different routes and they took you through the entire city. So if we decided that we wanted to eat somewhere, we just had to see what the nearest bus drop-off point was and get on the bus stop near our hotel. And we basically used the hop-on, hop-off tour buses as our taxis the entire time we were there. And it works out so much cheaper and they're all accessible. That's a so really good great. tip. Wow. That's a really good tip. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and interesting that you say Budapest because I, my husband and I are rewatching all the uh, Bourdain episodes, the No Reservations Anthony Bourdain episodes. It took us a while because we were like not ready to watch them again, but we just watched the episode on Budapest and I was like, my husband was like, oh, I want to go there. It looks so nice. And I'm like, I don't know. It's so old. I don't know about accessibility. Right. It, so yeah. It's, it's fine. I mean, um, obviously one of the highlights of Budapest are their spas uh, and some of the spas aren't wheelchair accessible, but we did find one that was. Um, so if you do want to go and explore them, by all means, give me a shout and I'll um, give you a full list of the things that, that we did and where we went. But even the um, the kind of we went for a meal on one of the boats on the River Danube. Um, so you kind of sit on, on one of these big yachts on the river and it's just beautiful because it's at sunset and they were all wheelchair accessible like and everybody was so helpful wow. even if even if there was like a little step before I'd managed to turn Gav around and bump him down the curb like I normally do there was already three people coming and you know being like can I help can I just can I give you a hand so everybody was really helpful I definitely recommend it oh that's amazing that sounds amazing uh- <laughs> the yeah, culture there looks so amazing it just looks like a great great city that's cool and I yeah I'm definitely going to pick your brain because you've been a lot more places than I have and your confidence level must be up really high because I know like a lot of women who want to travel especially to Europe it's like your confidence level goes down because it's so much like it's the unknown right it's like you're the language yeah. barrier the cultural barriers <laughs> like what happens if something if something happens and you need help, I don't know, you know, so it's good to have you as a, as a friend because, um, that's actually done a lot of this stuff. Cause it just, it makes it so that you're a bit more confident when you're going to new cities. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, we've, we've found that the majority of people abroad it, it cannot be any more helpful. Like they will go out of their way to help you out. Um, and language barriers, you do find that the majority of them have quite good English anyway so or there will be somebody that they know like a receptionist at a hotel or whatever that they can go and get that will be able to translate for you um so we've never we've never had a, a major issue um I mean I do still get a little bit anxious about it all but Gav is very very polar opposite to me with regards to kind of anxiety levels and he just he's so laid back he just 
says, you know, anything out of our control isn't worth worrying about. And he basically just, we go and do it. And if an issue happens along the way, then we deal with it when it happens. Um, and he's just, that's how he lives his life. He's very kind of, so he brings me back down when I'm starting to panic. He's like, just stop, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll sort this. There is a way to deal with this. Um, so he's, he kind of keeps me level with stuff like that. Shout out, shout that. out to that's Gavin. That's a good motto. <laughs> <laughs> shout yeah, out to definitely. Gavin. That's really cool. Um, now, do you guys bring, um, I know you guys have employ, employ um, Gavin's sister as his care correct is that yeah. still yeah um do you guys bring someone with you everywhere when you go traveling or do you pick up the care when you're traveling um I tend to do the care when we're traveling uh so we have been on a couple of holidays we've been to kind of uh we've been to Tenerife and we've been to Spain his grandma and granddad have an apartment in Spain so we've been there a couple of times and Leanne will come with us on them so she'll like she brought her boyfriend with her when we went to Tenerife um and she'll come and see her grandma and granddad with us when we go to Spain but if we're just going for like a three-night city break um or we actually did a full week in Ibiza last year with just the two of us um and it's like a romantic getaway then she she doesn't tend to come so that is where I'll kind of pick up doing all of of Gav's care um, which is the only time I ever really do anything um, care-wise is I will do it on a weekend because that then means that we're not tied to anybody else's schedule. So we can just do it kind of as we as and when we want. Um, so I'll, I'll get him up and start him out on a weekend. And when we go on holiday, that's the only real time that, that I do anything. And that's basically what you did through through quarantine, right? Through COVID was you, you kind of picked yeah. everything up too and, <laughs> it and was, stepped uh, in. Oh yeah, it was, I, I can't begin to describe um, how much more difficult it was than I thought it was going to be at the time when I agreed to it. Um, so we decided very early on that we were going to uh, quarantine ourselves, even before it became um, kind of the rule here over in England. It was about, I think it was about 10 days before the government decided to lock everybody down. Me and Gav had already said, um, we're, we're isolating ourselves just because He's very up-to-date kind of on current affairs. He spends a lot of time reading uh, through the news and things and and looking at what the scientists and stuff are saying. And he, I think he kind of gathered how difficult it was all going to get and how dangerous it was going to get before other people maybe did. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he started taking it seriously, I then realized like, oh, this might be um, a bit more of a bigger deal than I probably thought it was going to be. Um, so we... <laughs> we uh, I stopped working. Um, my boss was amazing about it. They kind of put me straight on furlough um, and said, yeah, we completely understand. You need to stay at home. And then we had to ask Leanne not to come in anymore because we needed her to be going to the supermarket for us so that I didn't have to leave the house at all. Uh, so she actually she carried on doing kind of our food shopping and stuff and leaving it outside the door. But there wasn't any point in us saying that we were isolated if she was then going out to the supermarket twice a week and then coming into the house um so we made the decision to that I would do all his care since I was at home anyway and uh, and I was like oh yeah that's fine that that won't be a problem I'll, I can do that <laughs> um and then realized mm-hmm. actually how tiring it was like I was constantly exhausted um but it you know it, it had to be done and I would do it again if need be but it definitely showed to me I know there was there was sort of some wags on the 
page that do their husband's full-time care and you know found a whole new kind of level of respect for them because I it, I'm just not one of them people that could do it mm-hmm. all my mm-hmm. life I have to be doing my job I have to you know have that separation between being his carer and being his girlfriend I was kind of craving just being able to be his girlfriend again be your girlfriend again I feel you there Alice I did the same thing through through quarantine through the few months we did everything on our own and I kind of felt the same way too where I kind of wanted to keep it a little bit separate and it was tiring and I definitely commend all the women that are able to do that and have a you know have a balance there but the key to life is balance so kudos to anybody who can do that yeah no I I always think about it like I remember what it was like for me at the beginning when I was first learning to do my husband's care and like when we first decided like we had some bad experiences with nurses and we just we wanted to live on our own time schedule and I was working from home anyway so I was like you know like let's try this on our own and I remember what it was like what being kind of thrown into that and not having anyone to fall back on and I was like I was overwhelmed to the point yeah. where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I mean, you get used to it. It took me, I don't know, three months to kind of get used to it, to get to a point where I was like, I can do this. But add in the whole stress from COVID, add in the whole fear, like add in like all the stuff that's going on in the world right now. And like, seriously, I don't, of course, you're going to feel extra, extra overwhelmed, right? So I can't even imagine starting to do care for my husband right yeah. at the point of quarantine. Like, it's crazy. I, I don't even, that would be insane. Yeah, I also think part of it um, is that, like, part of my personality is that I'm quite a, a perfectionist. And I, you know, I, I have to study every little detail. And um, I know that I was starting to get on Gal's nerves a little bit because when I was, like, kind of after showering and stuff, I was noticing every little mark on his skin and having to comment on it and then comment on what it looked like the next day and then double checking it like twice a day and giving him hourly updates on this mark on the bottom (laughs) of his heel or wherever it was and Gav was like Alice it's fine it's been like that for years just because you've just noticed it doesn't mean that like I need to know what it looks like every minute of every day so funny that's funny yeah I was panicking that it was like oh, if something goes wrong and I'm the one that's doing his care, am I going to get blamed? You know, if he ends up with a pressure sore or anything like that, it's down, it's on me. I've got the responsibility now. So when I, when I get him up on a weekend, if I see something that I'm a bit worried about, I know that Leanne, who's got years, 10 years worth of experience of, you know, caring for him, but also living with him before that, um, I know that she's coming in on Monday and I can say to her, you know, on the quiet, oh, he's just got this little mark on, the, on his leg. Can you just have a look at it? And she'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And she knows when something is something to worry about or not because she's seen it all before. Um, but because it was just me, it's like I'm the only person that's seeing this. So it's my responsibility to make sure that this doesn't turn into anything horrendous. Um, and right. that's a massive pressure for, you know, for somebody who's never done it before. <laughs> and also it's like, and if you need help, who do you go to? You have to kind of like Google and research and figure it out on your own yeah. too, and right? Google, Google is not your friend. Like Google <laughs> makes everybody think that they're going to die every time you put anything into Google. It's horrendous. <laughs> so. Yeah, kind of, kind of like WebMD, right? Where you put in your symptoms, the symptom yeah. checker, and yeah. then it's like, you will die that is the end result yeah no it's awful 
Well, oh, shout shit. out to Gavin's sister, because to be honest, like, she sounds like she's the best care, seriously. So he's very, you guys yeah. are so lucky to have that, you know, I know there's a lot of women yeah. on the group that they don't have the best care. And it's like a constant struggle for them. And even my experience, like, I just got to the point where I was like, I can't take this, like, less like subpar care anymore for my partner. Like I'm like, oh, it was kind of like the opposite situation. So like, kudos, shout out to Gavin's sister for yeah. <laughs> giving great she care. Is. It is, um, I yes. think because she, she loves him as a sibling, Aww. she kind of she knows she wants to give him the best care that she possibly can because he's her brother. So why wouldn't she want him to? you know, be as healthy as he can be and as comfortable as he can be and as clean as he can be. And um, there's like that extra layer of care there rather than it just being, I'm being paid to look after this person. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm his sister. So I'm going to make sure that he is as good as he can possibly be. Um, but she definitely like, she, it, it, she helps out with Gav and she also kind of helps out with um, Gav's half of the housework and things as well. So it's not just all hundred percent on me. So like I can come in, from work and she'll have um, done like a pasta bake for tea and it just needs warming up you know oh, so oh my she, god that's, that's amazing I need this in my life <laughs> so you have like a you have a chef you have a nurse you yeah. have a maid you have a very skilled skilled individual yeah. that's incredible I love that yeah it is it's great it works out really well and it's been that's how their kind of their system has been for years you know she's been doing his care for years so it's um it's a system that works and if it's not broke why fix it yeah it's just another <laughs> testament to the whole thing that we always talk about the best care mm -hmm. are those who care right it's Believe it's it. that extra kind of like loving care that's so important in this community it's just for those who have that it's just oh it's the best care right so yeah shout out to her yeah. <laughs> so now can we can we get into more of Alice because your Instagram um, is always full of the best stories, the best videos. You're always kind of like doing you in whatever way you want. And you kind of like don't really give a, you know, about, <laughs> about anything. So we, we want to know more about what makes you you. So do you want to talk about your job and, um, you know, yeah. how, where you work? Because it's such an important part of your life. It is. Um, so I am an inspector with the RSPCA, which is an animal rescue and rehabilitation charity in the UK. And um, it basically stands for the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Um, and as an inspector, my job is to respond to calls from members of the public where they've rang in because they're concerned about the welfare or treatment or condition of an animal. Um, and I will go to where the animal lives and kind of assess the situation and either deal with it via advice with the owners, working with them, kind of educating them, or worst case scenario, um, I would start putting together a file of evidence uh, in order to prosecute the owners if they've broken the law with regards to the treatment of their animals. So it's, you know, it's a massive part of my life because it's a sort of job where you can't come home at 5 p.m. and just switch off from doing it mm. you can't leave it at 5 p.m. Um, and be like right I'm not at work now if somebody messages me at quarter to 10 at night and says you know um, there's a there's a dog running around outside my house and it's got a really bad skin condition I can't just go oh, okay well that waits till tomorrow like I've got to deal yeah. with it you are you are never not an RSPCA inspector like you are you are always on call if somebody needs your help um so but that 
in it you'd have to be that passionate about it otherwise you're not going to be good at the job um so it's it's a huge part of me and it's fantastic that right from the very beginning when I first met Gav and he learned that I was an RSPCA inspector he was just in awe and he was like that that means so much to me because him and kind of everybody around him are absolutely obsessed with animals as well so it just really helps that he understands if I'm like if I ring him and say I'm not going to be home until 11 o'clock tonight because I'm dealing with this this and this and he's like no that's fine you you have to do that you do you you know I'll I'll stop I'll get me sorted um but so he gets that I can't just you know I'm fully committed to it and he he understands that which is fantastic um but it's obviously it's a very full-on job and it's a huge roller coaster so you you can you see the animal that's being mistreated in a horrendous condition which is awful but then you also see it a few months later with a new family like thriving so it's kind of it's up and down massively. Um, How did you get into this? Um, Well, I've always, always wanted to work with animals, right, from when I was young. Um, And I did a animal behaviour degree at university. And that was kind of when I first realised that I wanted to go into something around the welfare side of animals and helping people, because I like meeting new people as well and kind of improving their situation as well. Um, so it was just a, it's a mix of all the things that I'm kind of passionate about. And um, when I applied for the job, I definitely didn't think I was going to get it because they they take on when they do recruitment, they take on 24 people. And there were over 4000 people that applied for them 24 spaces. Wow. Um, it was mental. And we had to go through all sorts of um, like online personality tests and rationale tests and then face to face interviews. And, and there was. A role play scenarios it was very very kind of intense. intensive yeah and then there was um nine months training where I had to move to Brighton uh, so that's kind of right down the bottom end of the country it was about six hours away from from where I live um, and we had to live there for nine months and learn all of the kind of law and legislation around animal care and um the processes that we had to go through to make sure that everything we were doing was legal and all that kind of thing. So that was, there was so many exams and it was just a crazy, crazy nine months. Um, and then at the end of it, obviously you then graduated to become a fully fledged inspector and kind of went out on your own. So it's, it was, it was driven by kind of a passion for wanting to help the animals, um, which you absolutely need, because if you don't, if you're not passionate about the job, then you just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't deal mm-hmm. with the training. You wouldn't deal with the hours that we do and kind of how much is it is expected of us. Um, but I do, I just love it. I can't, that's the, the hardest thing about the COVID-19 has been for me is not being able to work, which is crazy when you think about it. Um, but I'm just, I'm so desperate to, to get back out there and, and start kind of saving the animals again. <laughs> I bet. So do you have like one story that you can think of in particular that was like the best case scenario story that you're like, this is why I do my job? Um, yeah, there was, it was last year and I did actually, I posted, it was quite a vague post on my Instagram because at the time, if we are looking at prosecuting somebody, we have to be really careful about how much information we put out, um, because of kind of data protection and stuff. And with people, if they're going through court, you have to be really careful about what you, uh, give away on social media before they're in court. But it was, um, it was such a, I was so kind of 
distraught about the condition that I found this dog in that like I needed to express it in some way um so I just kind of put a post on about how horrendous my day had been um, and I'd been to see this dog and it was it was so heavily matted it was a little shih tzu type dog and it was so heavily matted and hadn't been groomed in so long that the mats had kind of covered his entire feet where his nails had grown through the bottom of his feet and um, he had hair that had matted into his both his eyeballs so they'd grown oh into my God. Eyeballs. he was that and you just I couldn't even believe that he was a dog when I walked into the room I thought it was a pile of blankets and it was only when he started crying that I was oh. like oh my god that that blanket is alive that's that's a thing <laughs> that is a, a dog um and I honestly thought looking at him I was like there is no saving this dog he is way too far gone he just we're gonna have to say bye to him we're gonna have to put him to sleep and all I could think about was as long as he's got somebody so as long as I'm cuddling him and giving him a bit of love in like the last five minutes as the as the vet puts him to sleep then that's all I can do for this dog um but the vet that I went to see she was like he's he's got you know a really strong heartbeat and we we can try we can sedate him we can give it we'll give it a go um and they her and the vet nurse actually stayed there for about five hours that day um, they sedated him completely and then kind of shaved him off bit by bit. And he, it was just, a, it took him ages to recover because he had to have, he had to have both his eyes removed and this kind of thing. But now he is the most amazing little dog and he lives with this really old couple who absolutely adore him and dote on him. And the, the guy who owns him always sends us pictures into the rescue centre of him like sat in bed having a cup of tea with this dog. And it's just the cutest oh. little and I'm just like, I can't believe that you would, he was so on death's door. Like I didn't think that he would ever be able to live a normal life. And he's just having the best time now. And that to me is just looking back on that job. I think that's why I do the job. That's why I put myself in situations, you know, that sometimes a bit dangerous or a bit hostile because I've stopped that little dog from just dying in the corner of a room somewhere in pain. So it's just, it was just amazing. It's a great wow. And how does that feel knowing that you were responsible for something like that? Like that must be just like, this is the reason why I live. You yeah, know? it's the best feeling. And, you know, it's it's days like that when you really think I my, my life is great. Like I know people I have friends who do jobs where it is just they work Monday to Friday so that they can enjoy their weekends. Um, and that's all that they that's why they work. That's why they they're just for the money at the end. Um, but my job is about so much more than that. And I'm just so lucky that I never have that kind of Monday morning feeling or that Sunday fear for Monday because I'm just like I'm raring to go every single day because I know that there's things out there that need me. And I know that I'm in a position where I can do something about it. Oh. So it's always just I'm always enthusiastic about going to my next job. I think Which that is- really, really demonstrates your character and who you are as a woman as well and as a person, um, because just the fact that you put that energy into your role and that you love it so much, I mean, that's so much on it. That says so much about you. Um, mm-hmm. and well, just- they say that kind of a job is like a calling, right? You're yeah. called to have that job. It's not just a job. Yeah. And and it sounds like you're definitely the right candidate. You're the right person for this. I would want you to come in and save me or my dog. Well, and I think that she's going to inspire, Elena, I think she's going to inspire a lot of other people to look into this job in the first place, um, wherever, whatever city they live in, because um, of just the fulfillment in it. And just people that are caring would want to do something like this, right? 
definitely definitely yeah it's um it is it's it's the best when you've had a when you've had a good day or a good week at work you, you know it is the best job in the world but it also it can be the worst job when you've yeah. had an, a horrendous day that hasn't gone your way um however that's kind of the days when I then come home and one of Barbara one of our bulldogs is one of my case dogs so she was a I rescued her because I found her in kind of an emaciated condition with a really bad skin condition um, just being locked in a crate and nobody was taking any notice of her. Um, and so I come home every day to her and that kind of reminds me, that's like a, oh, even though today's been rubbish, you look at, look at where Barbara is now. So yeah. there are others yeah. out, there, out there that need your help tomorrow. So you just kind of have to pick yourself up again and be like, right, off we go. <laughs> and how many years have you been doing this? Um, I started in 2014 with my training. So I graduated as an inspector in um, the October 2015. Oh, um, so it's been, you know, sort years. of four, five years. Um, but that's still relatively new in the kind of grand scheme of things. We, we have, you know, I've got colleagues that have been doing it for 15, 20 years um, because it's, it's something that when you start doing it, there is nothing else like it in the world. You can't just be like, I'm going to leave the RSPCA and go do this because it's a bit similar because there's nothing the same out there. Um, so when you're in, you, you stay in. If you, you know, if you enjoy it, you stay in um, until you then decide that you don't want to work anymore. So there's a lot of kind of long-term um, colleagues that, you know, and I, I can't ever see leaving. I'll be, I'll be doing this until retirement I imagine uh, that's really but how fulfilling is that like that's just awesome it's so good to hear these stories because it just shapes who you are as a person and it helps you to deal with difficult situations I would say better than most I mean just listening to you that would just definitely develop you know your tolerance and your ability to deal with shitty situations better than most people which is an asset as a quad fiance a quad wife right <laughs> yeah definitely even the kind of communication side of things as well like being able to talk to people and bring them around to your way of thinking um or listen to what they're saying uh, like it can be applied to anything in life but particularly with um kind of dating a quadriplegic where there's a lot of other people involved in your life as well um so there's always other medical professionals or family members or friends that are all kind of very tightly involved probably more than if you were just in a, in a relationship with an able-bodied person and um, so you have to be good at communicating because it's very easy in situations where everybody's very emotionally charged to rub people up the wrong way and that's the the sort of last thing that you want to be doing when you're trying to to speak to somebody so that side of work has definitely helped me with building relationships that with people that are kind of close to Gav that we have to see on a regular basis oh that's really really great that's awesome um speaking of all of this how do you find balance in your life so how do you personally find balance it can be anything from your own self-care what what for you is balance and how do you find that in your life um, um, I've never been the best at balance, if I'm being completely honest. I've, I've had, um, periods of my life where particularly work has completely consumed me because it's very easy to, to throw myself into that. Um, since I've been with Gav, I've gotten better at finding a balance because he makes me find one. Um, so he's kind of the first person who will say to me, um, you know, turn, turn your work phone off or, 
go and have a hot bath and read a book and pour yourself a wine. <laughs> like he is, he is the one that he nudges me gently into that needing that self care. He, he, you know, he kind of allows me to have it and reminds me that I need it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I have to do, which five years ago, I would have laughed at you if you told me, um, but I do, I do exercise regularly. Um, so all kind of through lockdown, I've been doing virtual boot camps with my personal trainer. And if you'd have asked me five years ago, I'd have been like, no, I don't, that's, I don't do that. I don't exercise. <laughs> well, you've posted photos of like your before and afters and stuff. And yeah. it's just like, whoa, girl, yeah. you're hot. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of hard work. Yeah. I, you know, I sit on the couch wondering how how come I don't look like that eating chips. So <laughs> how, how to <laughs> get a hot body by sitting on the couch and doing nothing, <laughs> <laughs> eating bonbons. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I've definitely found that that is it's something that works for me, and I see a massive difference in my mood if I've started my day off. Totally. Like, well, it's true. It's so simple. Endorphins, right? Endorphins bring happy thoughts. Endorphins bring, pro- bring positive thinking, right? And, and I know that, um, like if I've let things slide a little bit, so like over Christmas or, you know, if there's been, if I've been on holiday and I've kind of let exercise and food, um, not be as on point as it normally are, I see it in myself. And then I then start feeling a bit more self-conscious and a bit more grumpy and not wanting to go out and do things. And, and I think Gav really picks up on that as well. Cause he's always like, oh, I love it when you're in you know, throwing yourself into your exercise regime. Um, Because he says, you know, I I like you either way. Like, I I love you whether you're exercising or not. But the difference in me and how confident I am when I'm exercising to when I'm not is massive. Um, So much so that he he picks up on it all the time. So it's it's definitely something that I need to do to make sure that I'm kind of in, in my best positive mindset that I can possibly be in. And how long did it take you to find a habit in doing that? Like, cause I know that, you know, a lot of us are guilty of starting something and just like not following through cause you <laughs> don't give it long enough or everyone's done that. Right. Especially the WAGS lifestyle. Like it's, it's hard to maintain something over a long period of time. Right. Yeah. So I realized very early on that I wouldn't stick to my exercise routine if I didn't have somebody holding me accountable for that. Um, so when I first started going to the gym, I was just going, like I just joined a membership and went to a gym, but it would, I'd do it for two weeks regularly. And then I'd just slowly peter out. And because nobody was telling me that I had to be there, I'd convince myself that it was okay for me not to go. Um, and then I met my personal trainer and I basically part of the reason for me paying him is because he will text me and bombard me with calls. If I don't turn up, being like, where are you? You need to be here. You should have been here an hour ago. Like, come in two hours and I'll fit you in. And he's, you know, he's, he's constantly on my back, which can be a bit full on. But that's what I pay him to do. I pay him to make sure that I get there so that I feel good about myself. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's amazing. I've been, I've been with him since 2016 when I kind of started on this journey. And he's definitely like, he's a friend now rather than, than just a PT. Um, but he he will constantly push to make sure that that I'm coming. And if he notices that I've cancelled a couple in a row, he's straight on me and being like, why are you cancelling? What's going on? Um, And he understands, you know, if things have got a bit too much at work or if they've got a bit too much um, with with kind of the whole WAG situation, he gets it. He knows, he understands it fully. Um, But he reminds me constantly that you'll feel better if you come in. And it's, you know, it's an hour out of my day. So, if you can't find an hour, um, 
to to put aside to look after yourself then you need to kind of be reevaluating what you're doing with your time is basically what he says to me. <laughs> that's a really good tip. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's very, very, very true. Very honest. And uh, no excuses, I guess, for, for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's true. It's like, if you can't find that hour for yourself, you definitely have to reevaluate. It's, it's, it, you need that. Everyone needs that. I mean, I think yeah, the recommendation is 30 minutes a day, but I mean, that's not enough for, for people that are kind of under stress a little bit more than, than most people or whoever, whatever your situation may be, you deserve that one hour, right? It's not too much to ask. Of yeah, yourself. definitely. <laughs> and I think if you, if you try and, um, if you're struggling to find that hour, if you just one day try and top up the amount of time that you spend scrolling through Facebook or scrolling through Instagram, you'll mm-hmm. probably find that it, it comes to more than an hour. And it's definitely more beneficial to your mental and physical health to go and do some exercise than it is to kind of sit on totally. social. <laughs> well, I think a lot of this was highlighted. Your social media. Well, no, a lot of this was highlighted during quarantine. Like, especially for myself, I remember the first few weeks, I would look at my screen report and it was yeah. up like 30% from like two weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? This needs to stop. Like, this is a very real issue where it's like you start spending more time staring at your phone for no reason it's just like what am I doing with my life right now you know yeah yeah and then suddenly uh, two hours have gone past and you think Uh, what have I done in the last two hours other than scroll through Instagram it's insane how the time kind of flies away with you um when you're doing that yeah that's true I mean we have to we have to use social media for the right ways too, right? I think um, both both Brooke and I really look forward to using social media for wags and going onto our groups and doing that kind of stuff. So uh, going back to the groups, how did you find the wags of SEI, Alice? Because you have been following us and been a strong con- contributing member of the wags of SEI for quite a few years. So how yeah. the heck did you come across the wags of SEI? It was it was very early on in my relationship with Gav, um, and I realised quite early on um, that there wasn't anything. I couldn't find anything where that was a sort of support group for people that were dating um, quadriplegics or paraplegics. I couldn't find anything out there. Um, even when I kind of said to Gav the Pinderfields, which is the um, spinal injury specialist unit that he did his rehabilitation in. Uh, I said to him, you know, do you remember them being any sort of group or forum that you could connect with there? And he was like, no, I don't think so. And I looked and I I just couldn't find anything. And I think it happened when I was looking through the hashtag of um, like quadriplegic, hashtag quadriplegic or something on, uh, or quad love or something like that. There was a hashtag that I found on Instagram and it brought me across a post um, that you guys have put on. But it was when your Instagram page was really new. There must have only been about mm-hmm. three posts on there when I stumbled across it. Well, because you um, were like one of the first couples that we featured, like within like the first few months. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Right down at the at the kind of very bottom is our is our little thing. Yeah. And it was, it was really, really early on, but I just remember looking at it and everything that popped up in my timeline that you guys were writing I was like oh my god yeah that that makes so much sense like I do that all the time or we do that or I'd um I'd like meant you'd write something funny and I'd read it out to Gavin he'd laugh and it was like that nobody would else would understand that they wouldn't understand why it was funny they wouldn't know what we were talking mm-hmm. about Helena, don't you remember when they when they first um, were featured? We were so excited that we found someone in the UK. Remember, (laughs) we were like, "Oh my god!" 
That's right. We were like, wow, we actually have like somebody across the globe. Yeah. Now, when you're talking about funny, are you referring to those amazing memes that no. were made a while ago? <laughs> yeah, definitely. They've always been great. There's always funny stuff on social media. Because those memes need to make a comeback, I think. Uh, Brooke and I were just talking about them and uh, just how so witty and creative they are and how we would just like pee our pants laughing oh, at them. God. So I think, Brooke, you got to get busy again. I feel like it's now is not the time for memes. I feel like there's, 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 they were meant to be funny, but I don't want to offend people anymore. And I feel like there's just too much (laughs) offending going on on social media right now. So I said to Elena, I'm like, I feel like the time of the meme is dead (laughs) for wags. (laughs) For wags for right now. Well, I think it was, um, it was when you kind of created the private discussion group that it was, that was when it really hit home how helpful so I I love the Instagram because I love seeing and meeting the kind of featured people feeling like I'm getting to know the members um and but it's a lot more light-hearted on the Instagram page and then obviously the private discussion page is where other people are kind of sharing their own problems and stuff um and that's where it really feels like I feel like I have this group of friends that I've never met and probably couldn't tell you you know if I if I walked past them in the street I wouldn't realize who it was that I was walking past um but I know them inside out so when they when they post something I'm like oh god yeah that was so and so that was talking about whatever um and it just and you know they helped me that time when I was feeling sad and it's just it literally it's just this community where if anything good happens that is with regards to me and Gav or Gav's you know progress or we we find out something new it's like I need to tell the wags because you guys celebrate every achievement with us but it's also if something if we're struggling if something's worrying us or we're having a bit of a rubbish time it's also where I come straight away and write about it and the wags are there to kind of comfort and and offer support um and I mean, Gav has, he's been injured for 19 years. There's not a lot about spinal cord injuries and kind of the, the other issues that you have as a knock-on effect that he doesn't know about and he hasn't dealt with. Um, but I remember right kind of quite at the very beginning when the, the private discussion group happened and Gav had got a, a saw patch around his catheter site that we couldn't, we couldn't get rid of. We were using the cream that the doctors had prescribed before um, and we just couldn't get rid of it. And Leanne was a bit stumped as well and I was stumped and it was just getting worse. And I just wrote just really casually on the group and said, has anybody ever had what cream or, or lotion or potion do you use to for around the catheter site? Because we've got this saw bit that won't go away. And about six wags immediately wrote to me and sent us a link for this cream that you get off Amazon that costs like three quid. And I'm not joking. It is literally, it's like the magic cream. You put it on anything and it fixes it. What is and it? No it's, um, I think it's called polysporin, something oh. like that. I can oh, polysporin, yeah. yes. We yeah. we definitely know about polysporin here in Canada. We put it on everything, yeah. even yeah. our and toast. Nobody, <laughs> no no district nurse that comes in to see Gavin, no like skin specialist or anything. I mentioned it to Gavin. He had no idea what it is. In 19 years, he's never come across it. And yet oh, we got oh, this, we ordered it off Amazon and it, it came and we used it. And within about three days, this, this saw that had been, you know worrying us for weeks just disappeared it's gone it's not there anymore and I was just like I was just never I would we would never have come across that if it wasn't for for that group so the kind of the 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 in like the depth of knowledge you know there's I mean there are some nurses in the group and that are med and people that are medically trained but even those that don't have a medical background the kind of the knowledge that these 
women have just from living with it and living through it is is like you it's unmatched and yeah. you know it's amazing that we've got it's like having a full library of anything that could possibly go wrong with a spinal cord injury and somebody out on that page will have something that will help you in and, some way or another yeah and I think it's important because um right at the very beginning when we made the private group, you know, we had had some bad experiences with groups and we wanted to keep the tone of the group to solutions based accountability and like celebrations and sisterhood and kind of like not make it a negative place, like kind of like, you know, a place where you can go to when you have a problem and you seek, you're seeking a solution to better your life. And I think that is the tone of the group. And I'm, Honestly, we're so grateful towards you because for those of you who don't know, Alice is one of the fierce moderators on the private group. So she's always on. She's always there answering questions. She's always there moderating the tone of the group to keep it to a place of positivity and helpful, creative solutions, more of like a community atmosphere instead of some place that you can come and complain, you know, and I think that's really, really important to highlight how you're pretty much, you know, you and the other two ladies are pretty much the reason why this group is the way that it is. So we just wanted to thank you for that. Oh, no problem. I, I love it. I, you know, I, I love going on the group and, and speak, seeing what people are writing and just the level of kind of support there. It's, you know, there, there we've had a few issues in the past, but they're so few and far between. And then, you know, everybody in that group is amazing and it's compared to the others. I actually I went in another another support group for partners with spinal cord injuries, and I think I lasted about four hours before I left because it was just so awful. Yeah. It was, you know, it, the it was completely different, completely different to to what our group is like. Um, yeah. so it's definitely. But yeah, thank you to you two as well for kind of setting it up because you've definitely. You know, you've created, you've created, you you've made this, um, you've brought everybody together and made this community, which is definitely what we've all needed at some point. Yeah, um, and we all yeah. honestly, we like Elena and I always say like we're nothing without you, ladies. So 100%. we're just yeah, we're just happy to facilitate the community that you women are badasses and you all have such amazing stories to tell and we can all learn so much from you like we learned so much from you Alice seriously like I like I said before I remember when we found you and I and we're always Helene and I are always messaging about how awesome you are and like just what you post is just so unique and you're just you you're you're just a precious human being um one one of my favorite things actually from I was saying to Brooke before we got on here I was like let's get her to talk about about Ibiza partying with Gavin at Ibiza (laughs) and like all the fun outfits and like I remember you wearing like little cute little like playboy bikini a little silver one with like the sparkly gem cover up and like just jamming to all like the beads and I was like these guys are amazing and Gavin's just like sitting there in VIP section just like chilling having the best time (laughs) like Aditha runs in Gavin's blood he loves it he loves the the dance music scene Um, and he's been to Aditha so many times and I've never done it and it's never really been my scene because I'm a little bit more of an R&B girl than I am kind of dance music so I was always like oh no I'm not interested like go with your friends if you want to (laughs) Um, and then he finally convinced me he was like we'll go we'll stay a little bit out of the party town so we've still got that kind of nice relaxing holiday but we'll book a couple of the the day party 
um, sort of party days that you do, pool parties and that. Um, and it was so much fun and I'm desperate to go back. Now I've done it once. <laughs> I'm just like, it's so Next. good. It's Next, you'll have to do Vegas. You'll have to do the pool parties yeah. at Vegas. Weren't you guys planning on going to Vegas? Didn't you guys have a plan to go to Vegas this year? Yeah, we were supposed to be. So we were supposed to be in Vegas last October for my sister's 30th. Me, Gab, my sister and one of her friends were going. Mm -hmm. And then that got cancelled because the airline went bust. Um, so we then decided that as part of our honeymoon, we're, going, we're actually our honeymoon, we're doing um, a few nights in Hawaii. Uh, well, we're doing New York and then a few nights in Hawaii and then coming back via Vegas for a few nights. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's been postponed till next year now because COVID meant that we haven't got married this summer. Um, so it's it keeps getting put off as Vegas. But I've done Vegas with my sister and Gab's done it loads of times with his friends. And we're, we're really excited to kind of do it together. Definitely. So it will be a holiday to remember. Oh, or that's not, depending amazing. On <laughs> so much fun you let us know when you go we'll meet you there yeah. I love Vegas <laughs> yeah I'll just go and gamble the whole time I'll just go and play blackjack in the slots the whole time and meet up with you girls <laughs> for yeah, dinner win, win millions um, so we have a new segment that we are introducing um, on the podcast and we're going to kind of spring this on you um, we're going to spring okay. this on all our guests but what we're going to we're starting today and the new segment is um, kind of like a rapid fire question air for all of our guests and so we're going to start off with some questions for you Alice um, and try and respond with you know one or two words keep it quick because we're going to go through the list we have about tw 10 questions for you so drum roll okay. <laughs> all right first question is if you were an animal what animal would you be um a sloth so i could sleep all the time <laughs> okay second question second question is what is the first thing you do when you wake up oh check social media it's bad isn't it oh. <laughs> all right next question is which superpower would you choose telepathy or invisibility oh telepathy i think it'd be interesting to know what people are thinking <laughs> and dangerous very dangerous <laughs> next <laughs> next question what is your biggest pet peeve oh um do you know it's awful i hate it when people are late but i'm always late so it's very <laughs> hypocritical of me <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one um third or the the next question is what activity is at the very top of your bucket list oh oh i don't know i do, I do so many fun things all the time <laughs> that's a good answer um, let's leave it at that I, that's a good answer yeah yeah I, i'm not sure oh that's really because cute. you're doing it yeah. because you are doing your bucket yeah. list you're living your best life yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Easy. Next question. What is the most important lesson you have learned in life? To not be afraid to ask people for help. <laughs> is you know, you're not you, you haven't failed if you need a village around you to um to live your life and be successful. Next question. Know. Would you rather be very wealthy and lonely? Or very poor with many friends? Very poor with many friends, obviously. Yeah, you um, money cannot make you happy uh, if you haven't got them 
kind of relationships in your life. Agreed. Next question. What do you think humankind's most greatest invention is? The internet. Only because I remember doing schoolwork when I was younger and you had to actually look in books and go to the library. (laughs) (laughs) The library and and taking out library books. (laughs) Yeah, it used to take so long. (laughs) All right, next question. If you could have dinner with any celebrity or famous person, alive or dead, who would it be? David Attenborough. Oh, guy who does all the programs. Good one, Sir David Attenborough, Alice. Yes, yes, sir, baby, that was great. That's funny. Next question. What would do you prefer, sunsets or sunrise? Sunrise, because I'm definitely a morning person. I'm an early riser. Oh, good one. Uh, Next question. When you're alone at home, all by yourself, what is your favorite thing to do that nobody knows about? I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, spend, I spend a lot of time walking around without any clothes on when I'm alone at home it's quite, quite freeing and refreshing <laughs> amazing and so you should that, could have, that question could have gone either way <laughs> well thank you so much Alice for participating in our spontaneous rapid fire questionnaire we really appreciate it I know we sprung that on you but we, you're a good sport and it just helps people to get to know you a little bit better when you're under pressure right <laughs> yeah Absolutely. <laughs> oh, thank you for playing on the spot with Elena and Brooke today. <laughs> um, so let's, so just to, to finish up here with Alice, um, if you had one piece of advice for women um, who are new to this lifestyle, who are, you know, just started dating someone that has a spinal cord injury or have just been thrown into this life because of an accident with their partner, what is your one piece of advice um, it would have to echo what I just kind of said in the uh, in the quick fire round. In that it, it it takes a village to survive in this life, um, and I think it took me a long time to not be embarrassed uh, to accept help from people and kind of not look for an ulterior motive when people were offering their help. So you know, if somebody offers to come around and help out by cooking your tea, that's not them saying that you can't cope. They just they want to help because they love you. Um, and so it's like them offering to come around and, and help clean the house is they want to do that because they want to help. They want to love you. They're not saying that you can't do it or you're rubbish at it. They're just saying, this is something that I can give you. Um, I can give you this time to help you and it will make your life easier. And I think being able to accept that a lot of people are kind of brought up to be like, I need to be independent. I need to be, um, you know, do it all myself. And I think if you try to wear all of the hats every day, all the time, then at some point something's going to give and you're going to crumble. Um, so like lessening the load by giving some something to somebody else to worry about, that doesn't mean that you failed. That just means that you're kind of taking care of yourself at the same time. Um, so accepting that help would be my number one bit of advice. Wow. I love that. And I and I think a lot of quad wives on, or even para wives, sorry, a lot of wags of SEI, when we ask this question, say something very similar. Because through this lifestyle, that is the biggest thing is, you know, I think being 
legs of SEI, we want to be able to prove to ourselves and prove to everybody else that we do the best job and we can do it on our own. But at the end of the day, you cannot pour from an empty cup. So yeah. do the self-care, ask for help, be true to yourself and be honest with yourself of what you are capable of doing and what you can do and cannot do. Yeah. And there's no shame putting your hands up and saying, I am struggling. Come and save me <laughs> because your family and friends, they, they come because they love you. Um, so let them let them help. That's really great. A hundred percent. Well, uh, Alice, thank you so much for being so brave and coming on to the Wags of SEI podcast today with Elena and Brooke. And if anybody would like to connect with you, what would be the best way possible for them to reach out to you? Uh, it would be on my Instagram, probably. Um, so my Instagram is at AliceCoops92. Um, or you can obviously find me if you're in the private discussion page. Um, my Facebook is Alice Hannah. You'll be able to find me on there and the members um, and as the one of the moderators. Um, so, yeah, feel free. I, I have no qualms with people sliding into my DMs for a chat. <laughs> so come come in. It's fine. Yeah. And, I, and Alice is always around to help. Around and she's help. always just she's always there and she's always there to lend a lot of great advice and you're so well-spoken and you just have a lot mm-hmm. to offer not just the WAGS group but to just humanity and society in general so we're really really inspired by you as I've said already and we wish we are wishing you and Gavin all the best um and thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah thank you for having me and I hope you guys are okay too <laughs> We are indeed. We are surviving. (laughs) We're thriving and surviving. All right. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the Wags of SEI podcast today. And please feel free to reach out to us via Instagram, Wags of SEI, or Facebook group, private discussion group. We have our email, wagsofsei at gmail.com. Until next time, have a beautiful week. The advocacy and outreach group WAGS of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our WAGS including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website wagsofsci.com or donate directly to the WAGS of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.